You're listening to a sermon from Low Country Community Church. We pray God uses it to help you grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like more resources or to give to our ministry, please visit our website at lowcountrycc.org. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our weekly uploads. Well, as you're being seated this morning, I had a wave of nostalgia that came over me this past week as I was preparing for this conversation because I started to think back to Blockbuster. Does anybody in the room remember Blockbuster? Oh my goodness. I remember going on Friday nights with my dad and with my brothers to try to find the movie that I was going to watch on repeat all weekend long, going and searching through the VHS section, the DVD section, trying to find the movie. And my brothers and I, we would run around the store. Everyone would scatter to try to find the movie that they wanted to rent for the weekend. And we would go and dad would say, hey, just a couple more minutes, make sure you make your decision. We would go and we'd get the movie. And then we'd go into this line, right? Like to check out, which is filled with magical candy and popcorn and all of the things that I would say, dad, dad, please, I really, I can't watch my movie without these milk duds or whatever it was. And the answer was inevitably no. But with Blockbuster, they had a clear mission. Blockbuster, their mission was to get movies or TV shows into the hands of people to watch over the course of a day, a couple days, a week, or however long you were willing to pay the late fee, right, which drove my dad nuts. But they had a mission that was clear, but their methods didn't keep up with the times, unfortunately. And so you know the story, blockbusters began to cease to exist because they reached a level of bankruptcy because they weren't able to move forward with the times. Now, if you don't know what Blockbuster is, I want you to imagine Netflix, okay? But instead of just pulling out the remote and beginning to scroll through to pick out the movie or the show that you wanted to watch, you had to go get in your car, and then you had to drive to Blockbuster where the Netflix catalog was these little plastic boxes all around the store where you would walk around and pick, and then you had to pay for a nice rental. And then you often had to pay the late fee, right? They were never able to shift to a model that worked with our culture because we moved to this internet phenomenon and then simply Netflix and all of the streaming services after a a season of time took over. So we no longer have Blockbuster. But their mission remained clear. We want to get movies into the hands of people for their enjoyment, and we want to make money along the way. This is a little bit about what, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about today as we are going to be talking about being on mission. And sometimes our mission, our mission remains the same, but sometimes the methods as to which we accomplish the mission change. Because we adapt with the times, we adapt with the things that are going on in our culture and in our world around us, but we have a clear mission. And here at LCC, that mission is to change lives through the message of Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to be talking about today in Romans chapter 13 is Paul continuing on in this narrative to help us understand how do we live in light of what we know. Because in Romans 1 through Romans 11, we've been looking at this theology, what should we believe and why should we believe it? And now as we get to the end of chapter 13 today, Paul is going to remind us of what matters most. 
So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 8 through 14 together this morning. And while you're turning there, I want to read Romans 12, 1 and 2 for you. This will give us a context to understand what we are talking about and why we are talking about it today. So Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So after reading that, let's now take that as the lens of context that we're going to be looking at 8 through 14 together today. Let's read verses 8 through 10 right now. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If there are any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So today we're going to be talking about keeping the main thing the main thing, keeping the mission of Jesus Christ in front of us as followers of Jesus today. And the main thing that we want to talk about this morning is the power of love. The way that you and I love one another will tell the world everything that they need to know about the God that we serve. The way that you and I care for one another, the way, the way that we are intentional with one another will be the greatest testimony to a broken and a weary world that is in need of the hope of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question this morning. How do you know when someone loves you? Is it because of their words? Is it because of their actions? Is it because of their intentions? Maybe it's simply their presence. Then let me ask you another question. How do you show love to someone else? Is it by the words that you speak over them? Is it simply by uh, the good motives that are within your heart to try to do something that maybe you do or do not accomplish? Is it simply your presence or your intentionality? And let me ask you a question that was convicting to me this week. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with showing love to one another? For me, this was, was something that as I was reading it, I was like, I don't want to say it because I've not been the best example of it this week. I know that this is something that is difficult for us to act upon. Sometimes it's easier for us to talk about love and to talk about how we need to put love in action and all of these great things, but sometimes it's hard for us to actually put them into practice. And so what I believe that we're going to be doing over the rest of our time together today is looking at how do we do this? And Jesus even talks about loving one another in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, where he says this, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Sometimes for us, love means pulling out all the stops to make sure that someone knows that they feel loved. And other times, it simply means stopping long enough to show them that you care. 
An example of a time where where we as a church pulled out all of the stops to make sure that a group of people in our community knew knew that they were known, valued, and loved by us and by God was our Tim Tebow Night to Shine prom that we put on for our friends here in the community with special needs, where we had over 80 honored guests that came through these doors. And when I say we rolled out the red carpet, it wasn't just a, a literal red carpet that we rolled out. We figuratively said we want to do everything that we can to make sure that these honored guests their families, their friends, the people that will see this on social media, know that they are known, valued, and loved, not only by us as a church, but more importantly, by the God that we serve. And sometimes it means that we need to, do, we need to roll, pull all the stops in order to make sure that someone knows that they are loved. It means that we need to have a red carpet in a karaoke room, and we need to have a dance floor, and we need to have these moments where they just know that they are loved without a shame beyond a shadow of a doubt. My favorite moment at the end of the Night to Shine event was the very last thing that we did with our honored guests. We pulled them all into a room and we began to talk with them and we shared the good news of Jesus Christ with all of our honored guests, with the volunteers that were there, with those that were in the room. They were able to hear the gospel message and they were able to hear that they are known, valued, and loved not only by us, but more importantly, by God. And then one of the coolest moments that I've had so far in my ministry journey was being able to crown each of our honored guests, king and queen of the night to shine prom. What a moment to say, no matter what the world may say about you, no matter what is going on, we want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, we are going to pull out all the stops tonight to make sure that you know that you are loved not only by us, but more importantly, by God. Sometimes showing love to people means that we pull out all the stops. Other times, it means that we stop just long enough to show someone that we care. Uh, Ashley and I, we moved here about two years ago, and two years ago this week, which is crazy that we've been here in the low country for this length of time. But our neighbors, Beth and Kurt, have done an incredible job of just these little moments, these little intentional pieces to show us that we are loved. See, Ashley and I, we moved away from our family, we moved away from friends, we moved away from a lot of what we knew to come here. And one of our prayers was, God, if we're going to come here, if you've called us here, then place people in our lives that we know love us and care about us and know our boys and care about our boys. And one of the ways that Beth and Kurt have shown us love is just something really simple. Some Sundays after I've preached or after uh, we've had a busy week of ministry, On Sunday afternoon, I'll wake up from a nap to a knock on the door. And when I wake up and I look, it's Kurt or Beth standing there with a plate of brownies or cookies. Amen, yes. Now, it's not good for my diet, but it's good for my soul. You know what I'm saying? And so there are so many different ways that we can show love to people. Sometimes it means pulling out all of the stops to make sure that someone feels loved. But sometimes it just means stopping long enough to show them that you care. And so any of us can put this into practice. Let's continue on in verses 11 and 12 this morning. It says this, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. If you're still taking notes with me this morning, title this section, Urgency Today. 
Paul is explaining to the readers here that the time of Jesus returning is nearer than when we first believed. It is closer today than it was yesterday. It'll be closer tomorrow than it was today, Lord willing. And what I want you to hear me say with this is that we are in a time in our world right now that is difficult to fully understand and grasp where we are at in this timeline. There's a lot of speculation. If you were to do a quick Google search of uh, current events that are happening in our world today, this will probably come up as a piece. Is this the end? Are we in the end times? And so if it's okay with you today, I'd love to spend a few moments just addressing what we're currently watching unfold around our world. Paul here is making sure that we know that salvation is closer today than it was yesterday and will be nearer tomorrow than it is today. And if we can, I'd like to talk through a response and a prayer. How do we respond to the current events that are happening in Israel and Palestine currently? There are three things that I think that we can do as a church body and as individuals, uh, and this was something that I needed for my heart, my soul, because I began to get a little anxious, a little unsettled, a little worried about all of the things that were happening and what does it mean for us, but three things that I believe that all of us as followers of Jesus today can do. Number one, I believe that we are called to grieve. We are called to grieve the loss of life. We are called to grieve the missing individuals that are still unaccounted for. We are to grieve for those who are living in fear and honestly in anger, asking, how could this happen? How could a God who loves me allow this to take place? We grieve the loss of innocent lives and injustices, and we grieve for those on both ends of the situation whether they chose to be a part of this or not. Secondly, I believe that we can pray. We need to ask God to intervene. We say around here a little bit that we want prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. But if I'm honest with you right now, this is one of those moments where I'm just gonna throw that out the window and say, I don't care if it's your first response or your last resort, but I know that we need to pray. And we need to go to God the Father because you and I can do very little about what is happening in Israel right now. But we can go to the one who can. And so I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to pray for Israel. Pray for God to do what only God can do by moving and working in and through this situation. And then third, just as the scripture that we just read says, we must awaken not on an account of inducing fear or anxiety in our lives, but rather out of a desire and a willingness to have a sense of urgency to share the hope and the peace that only Jesus provides us. We must awaken to have a sense of urgency to live our lives in such a way that when the world doesn't know where to look, that they look to the church for hope and peace. And let me be very clear with you on this as well. Biblical prophecy was never meant to scare anyone. It was always meant to be an encouragement to the faithful followers of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said about the end times in Matthew 24, 36. He says this, but about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, but the father alone. 
So I want to encourage you that if you find yourselves going down a rabbit trail, if you find yourself sitting in this where I think that I know the the end, I think that I know the day or the hour or the time, look back to scripture and see that Jesus himself says, not only I, I don't know, the angels don't know, only God himself knows. So if you are feeling any doubt, any anxiety, any fear or uncertainty because you are hearing that the end is happening right now, I want you to check that back to scripture. I want to encourage you to find comfort in these words of Jesus. And here's what we do. As a church, we wait with great anticipation the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with confidence and with peace that he is in control and that we can show that to a weary and a broken world. Right now, if you would just join me in praying for our friends in Israel and around the world who need this hope. Let's pray. Father, we're grieving what is happening. And we're reminded that things are not as they ought to be. But we believe that you promised to redeem, restore, and reconcile things to the way that they ought to be. And you do that through your people. So awaken us as to be vessels of your hope, your peace, and your comfort to a weary and a broken world. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. All right, let's continue on in verses 13 and 14 together this morning. It says this, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Three things that I think we can take away from this passage, these two verses right here that we don't have time to jump into today are these. Turn away from the things of the world. Live with honor and integrity. And third, to put on Christ. You might be saying, well, Will, what does it mean to put on Christ? I wanna point you to the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians, Paul says, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says this, against these things, there is no law. And so what I believe that we can do as followers of Jesus is as we try to get rid of the things of the world, as we try to move on from the things that, that stop us from following Jesus more closely, as we try to move on from the things that we would say are sins or strongholds that we have in our own lives. It's important that we don't just think that we're going to be able to go cold turkey on those things and move forward. This isn't just something that we just move on from, and, but what we have to do is anytime we try to break a bad habit or an addiction, we have to replace it with something else. And that is what I'm calling you to do. That is what I'm calling myself to do is to take the things of this world that I've been holding on to and focusing my attention towards that maybe aren't even necessarily bad things, but realigning our mission, realigning our vision to say, I want to be in the will of God and I want to put on Christ. So when you think, what do I need to put on? Put on the fruits of the Spirit. Because when we align with Christ's love, it can and will change everything for us. 
We heard Alex's testimony of how Christ's love has transformed and changed everything for him. And we could sit around the rest of the day and go around this room and you could hear stories of life change. When Christ's love entered the picture, everything changed. So I want to encourage you with that. And uh, let's just recap our application points and then I'm going to pray and, and then we'll worship some more. What do we see out of Romans 13, 8 through 14? One, we're encouraged to love our neighbors. And I want us to enlarge our view of neighbors. That's not just the people on my right or my left or across the street from me or backed up to my back fence. But this is anyone that God has placed in your life in the season that you are currently in where your feet are planted that you can help and to serve and to love. Love our neighbors. Number two, live in the light. When we live in the light, we shine a bright light for a world that is weary and broken and in need of hope. Number three, we must share with urgency. We must share the good news of what Jesus has done in our own lives and then the testimony of what he has done in order for the world to know him more clearly. And then last but certainly not least, we must look more like Christ. It's a journey. It'll take time. It'll take hard work. It'll take effort for us to get to the point where we look more like Christ. But what I want to challenge you and encourage you with is that we can take one step forward today. I'm not expecting that we walk out of this room and that everything is miraculously changed. Praise be to God if it is, but here's what we can do. We can take one step forward today to look more like Christ than we did yesterday. And tomorrow we can take another step forward to look more like Christ then than we do right now. Church family, would you join me in praying this morning? God, we thank you for our time together this morning and thank you for this word of encouragement written by Paul and communicated to us today. I pray that as followers of Jesus, that we would provide hope and peace to a weary and a broken world, that we would provide them this through the way that we live our lives, that we would keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is to love God and to love others. And would you help us to be on mission as a church to change lives through the message of Jesus Christ? And that begins with each and every one of us as individuals. God, we love you so much. Take this time, use it for our good and for your glory, that your name would be made known and famous near and far. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.